Hey father, hey son, making a podcast sure sounds fun. Set up the mics, grab a cup of joe, and let's see how it goes. Last time, we talked about deconstructing faith and, uh, you know, just short re. Cap, we talked about how too often we uh, we deconstruct and then destroy or abandon, or we deconstruct and we forget to reconstruct. Um, we're not destroying for the sake of destruction. Um, when we reevaluate and we look at our faith, the purpose of reevaluating our faith is to build it back stronger. And so last time we kind of started kind of a teaser of what does reconstruction in your faith look like? And uh, you had mentioned that the first thing to do is you got to start with God. Sure. I think that the first thing we got to do is start with God himself, even if we're struggling with believing that God is there. And I gave the illustration of once you start thinking about, looking at, and talking about God, all of a sudden you're going to start seeing God. Yeah. And the focus then is God is everywhere. His presence is everywhere. He's omnipresent is the big theological term that we use. So God is everywhere. We're struggling to accept him. We're struggling to believe him. We're struggling to even see him at work. Mm -hmm. Well, let's start there. Once we start there, now we can start rebuilding. And even if you're struggling to believe he's there, tell him that. God is a big God. He can handle it. If you're angry at God, yell at God. I've done it. Um, if you want to punch your pillow, uh, which I recommend versus the wall, by yes. the way, it works a whole lot better. And I think it's okay to do that yep. because God is God and he is not threatened by, by Steve sitting somewhere in a studio somewhere talking into a microphone. Yep. Who am I? Right. So we can go ahead and start with God. But I think once we start with God, then what? That's right. always the next question. And the, and the thing about it is it's people say, well, if I was really a Christian, would I be struggling? Would I be doubting? Yes, absolutely. Because your brain cannot fathom, well, I just can't understand God. Good. Because if you could, he's not a very big God. So like you said, start with God, start with honesty, pray. Well, I'm not good at prayer. Maybe that's why you're having a crisis of faith, okay? Start with prayer. I mean, that's why I have a crisis of faith. Start with prayer. Tell him, start there. So if you start with God and you tell him, man, I, I don't even believe you exist, but I'm going to, I'm going to live this day as if you do, you know, that's a great start. Then what should you do? Yeah. I think that when you, you start out with God and then you start out with a prayer and if you're not a good prayer, you don't like to pray out loud. I get that. If you don't want to pray in your mind, because if I close my eyes and pray in my mind, I'm going to fall asleep. Yep. I get that. Well, let's figure out the best way to pray. Maybe you just need to write down what your thoughts are. Put it on a sheet of paper. Put it in a journal. Put it in a notebook. If you want to put it on a piece of paper and wad it up and throw it away, that's okay. You've got your thoughts out, and that helps the decompression and the things you're struggling with. If you want to talk out loud, go for a walk. Go for a walk and talk with God. Go for a ride. But the key is you're starting with God, you're starting with prayer, and you're starting this relationship because an intimate relationship begins with conversation with somebody. That's why young couples date. They they talk to each other. They get to know each other a little bit better so they can build this relationship. That's where we're starting with. We're starting with God. We're going to talk with God. And how you want to do that, it, there's no set way on how to do it. Now, we can give you some some acronyms and that kind of thing, but we're not at that point. What we want you to do is just to get back to that relationship where that you can talk to him 
and know that he's real. Exactly. And so once you get to that point where you're like, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm serious about this. I really do want to reconstruct my faith. Don't worry about the, well, the reason I got here is because I don't know about this. I don't know about that. Don't go there. That's not where we're going. We got to start at square one. So square one is, God, I'm going to believe my life. I'm going to live my life and believe that you're real. Now, what you need to do next, we believe, is you got to find somebody to help you. God exists in Trinity because he sees just how important community and relationship is. And so you need to find somebody, and it needs to be somebody that is a trusted mentor, minister, um, and it doesn't have to be your minister. You know, it, it it could be somewhere else. You were talking about um, when you you didn't just stay in the same place all the time. Yeah, you had your home church, right? But you didn't just get stuck in a rut in a channel there, right? I, as I've s- said before, I wasn't raised in church. I mean, I didn't know anything until I was a teenager. I knew Christmas, I knew Easter, and those are two stories that that I knew, and that was about it. You could throw in David killing Goliath, which was always cool for a oh, kid, yeah. you know, with a giant. But by and large, I didn't know anything. So when I became a member of, of a particular church in a particular uh, denomination, um, if I had a crisis of belief, a lot of times I would go to somebody else, even if a different denominational group, and get a different slant on things because I didn't know the Bible and I didn't know doctrine and I didn't know any of these things. And I would listen to different people and people I trusted and people that had a great reputation uh, for speaking truth, that sort of thing. And the other thing I recommend is if you find a mentor, you find somebody, as I like to say, Jesus with flesh on them Mm -hmm. to help you, I personally recommend same gender for one. And the second thing I I recommend is if someone that's just a little older than you, a little stage of life ahead of you. um, I think Paul said it in 2 Corinthians verses chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, or verses 3 and 4, rather. He says this. This is out of the New American Standard Version. He said, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our affliction so that we will be able to comfort those who are in any affliction and with the comfort of which we ourselves are comforted by God. In other words, these are people that have been there, done that. These are people that are ahead of us in life they went through a crisis of belief. They went through a deconstruction, if we want to mm-hmm. use that word, and they've come out on the other side. And when you start telling them your story and you're telling them your frustration or your deconstruction or your crisis of belief, they're almost like, been there, done that. Let me share with you what worked for me mm-hmm. because that's really what you're wanting. Now, if you're lazy and you're just wanting God to you know speak to you through the sky and speak to you through some billboard somewhere, and you're waiting for a word from God, that's probably not going to happen. It takes work to tear it down. It takes just as much, if not more if not work, more, yeah. to build it back up. But it's like we were talking about, you know, in deconstructing, um, you know, it'll, it takes seconds to destroy something that's taken years to build. Same thing with your faith. The, it requires work, it requires commitment, and it requires uh, time. And you've got to find a person that you not only trust to shoot you straight and to give you scripture, but who's going to listen, and they're not going to spend their whole time just waxing eloquent of their faith journey. You know, they need to listen to you. Yes, they need that. Too often, you get these these people that are the the arrogant pastor. You know what I mean? Sure. Where you you come in and you're like, well, let me tell you about my story, and they're like, oh, I remember when I had my crisis of faith, but then I came, and you're like, oh, great. 
I'm going to, you know, you need somebody that's going to listen to you and not just be like, well, you shouldn't think that. It's, you need somebody that's honest. That's, you know, I, I had that with you uh, personally when, um, when I was in the ministry and all of a sudden I had the, you know, rug jerked out from under me and all of a sudden I felt like I was free falling and I'm like, I don't ever want to step foot in the church again. And you were like, well, remember that the church is God's, still God's plan and it's his plan for uh, evangelism to the rest of the world. And I said, yeah, but I just don't think we got it right. I don't think that I'm not seeing a church that's got it right. And you said, you're not going to because it's all, you know, human institutions. Remember, you know, sometimes we get com- confused with uh, terminology, you know, the church universal versus, you know, your local church. And if your crisis of faith is being caused because of the failure of a local church or a failure of a um, church denomination, or the failure of a past celebrity pastor or worship leader or whatever. And we're seeing this. There are some very popular churches. There are some very popular movements that we've seen, but all of a sudden we're seeing affairs. We're seeing abuse. We're seeing all these different things happen. That's not God's fault. That's the sinful man that's trying to reach God, getting it wrong and, and allowing sin to creep in. Don't Think of the failure of that local church, the failure of that denomination, the failure of that person, and say, well, I can't believe God anymore because of what they did. You've got to start with God, with a mentor that you trust that's going to allow you space to yell and to question. To yell yell and question, and let's work on this together. We were off air, and I was just telling Matt, I said, I, I think a lot of metaphors and in, 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 in different illustration stuff, because I've worked with teenagers for all these years, it's like going to the doctor, and the doctor gives you some medication, and that medication we find out you're allergic to, and all of a sudden go, oh, no, we have a crisis mm-hmm. because we gave them the wrong medication, but they get it right, they fix it, okay, good. Well, don't stop going to any doctor because one doctor made a mistake, and I wouldn't even necessarily leave that doctor because now they know they made a mistake, they've got it right, and we can move forward. If you go to a new place, a new doctor, you're going to have to reconstruct the whole new medical file. Right. So don't throw everything away just because of a failure. And if you're looking for the perfect church and you find it, I'm just going to tell you up front, <laughs> you cannot join that church because the moment you join it, that church has ceased ceases to be a perfect church. That's right. You bring your baggage, and now we're not perfect. We're all broken people, <laughs> and we're all broken in different ways, but we're all broken. And the only one that can put us together again is Christ and this reconstruction that we're talking about. That's right. So if you start with God and your honesty and your prayer, then you go with a trusted mentor and a minister. If they're worth their salt, they're going to point you back to the Scripture. Absolutely. And they're going to point you back to the Scripture first. So we think that's the third thing. So first, prayer and honesty with God. That's your starting point. And here's the deal. These are not steps that are going to work for everybody. They're going to work in this order or whatever. We're recommending this because, and they're not going to be an afternoon. Okay. Oh, no, no. This isn't going to be, well, I prayed, I talked to my minister, and I read the Bible. Why isn't thing, Why aren't things better? Because um, it takes time. It takes commitment. And you're going to take two steps forward, one step back, five steps forward, three steps. It's going to happen because you're growing. I don't know if you remember being a teenager and your legs aching all the time. Why? Because you were growing. They call it growing pains. That's part of walking with Christ. But once you get into you know, a, a mentor-mentee uh, relationship, you 
should always go to the scripture. Always go to the scripture. And so what are some recommendations that we got for if you're building back your, your faith? That depends on what you're you're dealing with. Sure. Um, but let's 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 go to the Bible here. Well, one of the scriptures that I like in looking at Psalms and and the Psalms are poetry, but through it there's so much truth that's in there. I like Psalms chapter 19. This is just going back to that first part of whether or not God is, exists to begin with. And and I'm going to read three or four verses out of it. It's, once again, it's New American Standard. It says this. The heavens tell of the glory of God, and their expanse declares the work of his hands. Day to day pours forth speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech, nor are there words. Their voice is not heard. Their line has gone out into all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. In them he has placed a tent for the sun. In other words, in creation, every day we see the creation of God. Every time they, they, they launch a new probe or the, a new telescope out in space, all of a sudden, everything that everybody believed about space has changed, and yet God has put all that into place. Now, I know there's some people going to look at that and say, well, I can't believe there's a God because look how big this universe is. Okay, mm-hmm. let me rephrase it then. Look how big our God is because these universes are out there. Well, and you got to read, um, again, Back to the scripture, one of my absolute favorite passages. I love the book of Isaiah. The book of Isaiah has two uh, very bizarre, it has a very definite shift. You've got the first 39 chapters are pre-exile, then 40 through 66 are post-exile, and it's just, um, but there's a, there's a wonderful scripture right as, so they've, if you're reading through the book of, of uh, Isaiah, like I said, the first 39 chapters is you're going to go into exile. You're going to go. You're going to be taken from your homeland, despair, gloom, whatever, because of what you've done. And then there's a shift right at the beginning of um, Isaiah 40, where it just says, it, "I mean, the first word of Isaiah 40 is comfort, right?" And it's like, wait a second, you just spent 39 chapters about how everything's going to fall apart, everything's going to be awful, and and you're talking about um, one of my favorites is uh, uh, 40, 25, and 26 when you t- when you start talking about the heavens. This always comes to mind. To whom will you compare me that I should be like him, says the Holy One. Lift up your eyes on high and see who created these things. Who He who brings out their host, the stars, by number, calling them all by name, by the greatness of his might, and because he is strong in power, not one is missing. Not one is missing. You know, and it's like we can't even accurately count the number of stars in our galaxy. And they just uh, released some new pictures from the web uh telescope that's replacing the Hubble and it's the most detailed pictures and they're these doing doing these deep fields and they're like in this picture there's a billion galaxies and the scripture says God goes yeah I know I made them I put them there and and I named all the stars <laughs> I named every single one of them and 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 it's um well I don't believe the Bible you don't have to that's cool and and and, and to think that well we discovered these and we think you know, whether you're young earth, old earth, doesn't matter. We think these are billions and billions of years old. We're just now discovering them. God God knows. Yeah. So scripture you start with, but the best part of that, so you're talking about Psalm 19, but we were talking about this. The best part is the end of that one. Yeah. Here's one of the things that I recommend, and I think this is honestly where the reconstruction takes place. David concludes this, and uh, really a side note for this, I wasn't raised in a Christian home, but I was around when schools actually did plays. Every yeah. class would do it. And we would go and quote Bible verses at school yeah. 
from the stage, and I remember the 23rd Psalm, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I remember as a small child, first, second, third, and fourth grade, quoting that. But because I didn't go to church, I had no idea it was scripture. Right. It was just pretty, and I liked it. <laughs> yeah. But then we got to this one in Psalm 19, verse 14, and I believe this is really where reconstruction really needs to happen for all of us. And David writes these words, May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, Lord, my rock, my redeemer. And what I think this is a reconstruction is, may the words of my mouth, the things that I'm saying, the things that I keep touting, the things that I keep spouting off at the mouth at, and the meditation of my heart, that is the things that I'm thinking of, the things that really come from my soul. So everything I'm saying, everything I'm thinking, everything that's deep in my heart, may that be acceptable to God. He's my Lord. And when it says my rock, that's the standard of which I've built on. Remember, we talked about building this foundation or the rock or the foundation of my belief is him. And my redeemer means he is my salvation. He has paid the price for me. So that verse is a sermon within itself, but it's also a rebuilding for anyone going through a time of reconstruction of what's in my heart. Where do I find that? Where am I building my life? Is it built on the rock? Are the things I'm saying, is my soul solid? Is my heart, I mean, everything I'm meditating on, my thought process, Mm -hmm. if you plug in God, if you plug in Scripture, if you're listening to your mentor, if you're having someone there to help you go through this, and they're always pointing you back to the rock, they're pointing you back to the Lord, your life is reconstructing. That's right. And because it's your your heart, your thoughts, your words, that's going to manifest itself in your actions. Absolutely. You cannot start with the actions. Well, I, I need to I need to stop doing this and start doing this, whatever. No, no, no. You got to start with the where it starts, and that's your heart, your soul, the very place that God that God is trying to reconstruct, and the, the where He's trying to speak to you to. Um, and you've got to discover how He's going to do that, where He's going to do that, and um, the Scripture. And it and one of the things that we were talking about is it depends on, you know. Well, where should I read? Well, what are you struggling with? Are you struggling with? Well, I believe Jesus is real, as as in he was a historical person, he was a great teacher, and he lived you know two thousand years ago. I believe that, but I mean, he wasn't God, really, was he? Okay, read the Book of John. Absolutely, John is always a great place to start because he even says in his uh, next to last chapter, he says, "I've written these things so that you will believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that He is who He says He is." So you start with the Book of John. Yeah, it's going to tell stories. But he wrote it much later because he kind of saw what Matthew and Mark and Luke had written. And he's like, okay, I don't need to cover those. Those are very well covered. Let me kind of show you why. Um, you know, you got the synoptic gospels, the synopsis, the story. This is what happened. And they're very, you know, linear and each one has its own emphasis. But John says, no, I want to I emphasize his deity. Um, you know, his miracles, the, the, the things that he had to say. He spent what is it, three or four chapters in the upper room, you know, where he's he's very detailed in walking with God, uh, which is beautiful. Maybe you're not struggling with that. Maybe you're like, okay, I've got that Jesus existed. I got that he's real, but what does that mean to, how do I, how do I live? What what does that mean to me? Well, Romans is a great place to go. Yeah, Romans is one of the deepest theological books in the New Testament. When you go into the book of Romans, he's writing to the Roman church whom he's not seen, and he's laying out all these things. And in there, there's so much depth and growth from 
first of all, salvation, you know, we're walking through our lives or all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And until you realize that, then it's hard to, until you know that you fall away from God, mm-hmm. you don't know you need to be near God. Here, that is reconstruction as well. You're walking away from him. You're coming back to him. Yep. He goes through all that for the, the salvation. And then the second half of that book, it gets down and dirty, so to speak, mm-hmm. to help you on how to live your daily life. And not only that, but also spiritual gifts, all the various things that are there and that he'll never leave you, he'll never forsake you. I think that Romans is one of the best books that we can go through. Now, if you're going to go through the book of Romans with a mentor, buckle up. You're going to be there for a while. <laughs> yeah, you are. 16 chapters. And you could spend, like, Romans 7, you could spend three weeks in Romans 7 reading it every day and still not figure out what you're talking about. And that's okay. That's okay. But the thing is, you're going to work it out, and you're going to continue to go through that. And, and so I think those are some scriptures that you can look at. Galatians, because of, of freedom mm. and grace that you have that's in there, and then you're going to get in the fruit of the Spirit. You got the book of Ephesians talking about the mm-hmm. grace of God and what's going on and how God has called mankind to him for salvation. So I think you go through some of those and as as called epistles, the smaller books there. You get into those. If you're a young person, get into Timothy. Yeah. Why first and second Timothy, the last letters that Paul actually writes to his child in the faith, who's mm-hmm. a young man, Timothy. And he gives him some instructions in there. And he says, Don't let anybody look down on you because you're young, but be an example. Right. The youth today, there is great hope in our culture if the youth today will find this relationship with Jesus Christ. If you're if you've gone through this deconstruction or you're in reconstruction or you've never, you know, doubted or fallen away sure. or whatever and you're solid, but you're finding yourself standing alone or you find yourself that um man, I don't have anybody with me. Philippians is a great place to go where they knew that they were being persecuted. They were being uh, and he said, it's going to be hard, but it's okay. Um, so we, so the last thing we wanted to talk to you about, so we start, you know, said, start with God and prayer and honesty, start with a trust and then go to a trusted mentor and minister. Then scripture talked about John Romans, uh, Galatians, all this kind of stuff. And then, um, read, you gotta read, you gotta read. We are, we are, (laughs) we are both very, um, avid readers. Um, I keep a list of the books I'm currently reading. And sometimes it's, you know, uh, I just finished reading like some mysteries from the ni- 1905, Arsene Lupin and and uh, Maurice LeBlanc. But, you know, I just like to read. I like to keep my mind going. But one of the things like I'm, I'm currently rereading um, A.W. Tozer in the Pursuit of God. Um, some Sometimes you need to read classics. You can read the newest, latest, greatest. But it doesn't have the time-honored tradition. Now, I'm not a traditionalist. I'm very anti-tradition. However, when you get, man, I got somebody, they wrote this great new book. Yes. And it's good to have new insight. But if it, you, you haven't yet to see if it stands up over time. And so sometimes time is a great uh, revealer of truth. So we were uh, kind of listing some ones that you need to check out. Um, I mean, you could go all the way back. Pilgrim's Progress, man. Now, find you a modern translation because this thing was written. Um, Paul Bunyan was in prison for 12 years, <laughs> and he wrote this thing, and it was the 1600s? I have to early go 16- back and look. Yeah. It's a long time ago, yeah. And uh, so he wrote that. Don't get the original translation. You'll hurt yourself. It's old English, and it's, <laughs> it's tough. Yeah. So get you a modern translation. I found one not too long ago that had a modern translation, and questions at the end of each chapter. Um, and uh, I was listening to a podcast the other day, and the guy was like, man, you got to read Pilgrim's Progress. Okay, I need to reread this. So, because it's allegory. 
And it literally and and what happens with Christian, the main character, is he hits snares, he hits pitfalls, he has setbacks, he goes off the wrong road for a while. It sounds like he's going through a crisis of belief hmm. or a deconstruction there for a while, all on his way to the celestial city. So it's okay. We're talking five, almost five hundred years, four hundred and fifty years of a man saying, "Man." It can be difficult following Jesus. Absolutely. And that's okay. It is okay. So Pilgrim's Progress, absolutely uh, number one. Um, one of my favorites is Mere Christianity with C.S. Lewis. Um, if you don't know, C.S. Lewis was an atheist and um, somebody, you know, he he just could not reconcile scripture. And um, basically he was kind of challenged and uh, they said, well, why do you not believe the scripture? And he's like, well, I don't know. I just It just seems ridiculous. And he started getting into it and finally realized, oh my word, this is real. And so I love reading Mere Christianity because this is a man who was a lifelong atheist who changed his heart. God changed his heart and brought him into the fold. And he starts, um, and that, you read it slow. You may have to have a dictionary with you when you read it. <laughs> read it slow, read it with a journal, and write down. Because you know a lot of times you're like, oh, I'm going to read a chapter of this and unpack it. No, no, no. Get a couple of paragraphs and stop. And reread because it's, but it's good. So, my personal uh, recommendations. Um, also, Orthodoxy by G.K. Chesterton. But one of my favorites, I've read it a couple of times. You've read it a couple of times. Is uh, Brendan Manning and the Ragamuffin Gospel. Yeah, that book. That book really spoke to me because he is so brutally honest with who he is as an individual. Of course, he's going home to be with the Lord now. But man, he struggled with alcoholism. He he struggled with all kinds of stuff, be it divorce or and, and just his life in general. He ended up being like a hermit for a, for a amount of time, just trying to figure out who God was. I actually heard him speak at a, at a conference one time, and he come be bopping out on the stage like, and he was cheered like a rock star. And he was a man probably seventy years old. He's wearing a pair of jeans that has more patches than it has anything else. Because he's just a ragamuffin, which yeah. is really nothing. He said, you know, really, I'm nothing. It's all about God. And that really helps you understand the grace of God better than anything else out there. Because it's not just a philosophical book that's been written by somebody that says, you know, here's what I think. Here's a guy saying, here's what I went through. Here's what I experienced. And I've come out on the other side. Once again, going back to that Second Corinthians things we were talking about earlier, you got somebody that's been there, done that. Here was my journey. Maybe it'll help you. That's right. And and. Number one thing when it comes to reconstruction is their strength in numbers. You can't do this alone. Absolutely. You gotta find a small group. You gotta find a mentor. You gotta you you it, it God can do anything. God Absolutely. can do a miracle. God can reconstruct you alone, isolated on an island, but generally he's not going to. And I will also say this, as as crazy as this sounds, find you a church. Yeah. Because you need corporate worship. You do. You need to worship. You need to sing hymns of the faith contemporary courses and songs, but you need to be able to sing praises to the mm-hmm. Lord. At the words of my mouth, the meditation of my heart, once again, sing those praises. Even if you're frustrated with the mm-hmm. local church, well, don't go to the one that maybe you're struggling with. Maybe go to another, whatever. But you cannot get closer by getting further away. <laughs> well, and it's COVID really showed us that a lot. Absolutely. You know, people are like, oh, well, we can just worship in our homes. Man, I don't know about you. But after about six months, I was aching to be with these people. It was the same thing. I mean, we had our small group on FaceTime sitting on the back porch. It was kind of nice to have my cup of coffee and a pair of shorts sitting on my back porch in the sunshine. But there's something about the physical presence of other people 
pointed the same direction towards Jesus. And we end up having this relationship with each other on our way to the Father. And they can help you. They can walk with you. And there's something about singing corporately in a room, even poorly, as opposed to listening to a worship album on your earbuds. That, well, it's the same thing. No, it's not. It's good, but there's something about joining together with your hearts all pointed in the same direction, physically in the same place, singing aloud to God. Once again, it brings up Scripture. A cord of three strands is not easily broken. Or when there's more than one walking together, if one falls, another one helps them up. There's going to be some days when you're up. There's going to be some days when you're down. There's going to be some days you're just there. But when you come together in the corporate body, that is imperfect because I'm in it. Mm -hmm. But when you come together, we can accomplish more. We can do more. We can be challenged. And all of a sudden, you can hear a sermon or you can sing a song that will speak to you in a different way than it has anybody else. I've been doing youth ministry for a long, long, long time. And I can preach a sermon, I can use an illustration, and I have all my students sit down and share with me what they got out of the sermon. And some of them share things out of the sermon that I'm convinced I never said, <laughs> but God spoke into their heart mm -hmm. and gave them what they needed. So I, I would throw in here that even though you're hurting, you need to be in the corporate body for healing. Yes, absolutely. Well, thanks for joining us today as we talked about um, reconstructing and a couple of steps that we believe you need to do. And um, we'll be hitting some other topics soon and talking about things from marriage to uh, parenting. And uh, so if you have any questions, please reach out to us, let us know. And uh, we appreciate you hanging out with us today. Thanks for listening. Check out wewerethinking.org for more episodes or drop us a note to info at wewerethinking.org.